So do you want to do the intro, or you want me to do it? Uh, you, you can lead. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to episode three of the Practical Nonsense podcast. This week, uh, we just have me and Danny here. Josh had some things come up, so he uh, couldn't join us today. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we can carry this without, uh, without, without our atlas. Yeah, without the guy who uh, sits beneath the podcast and makes sure it doesn't uh, explode. Yeah, yeah. Without, without the smartest one of the bunch. Truly. No, it's this episode is just going to be me and Jacob uh, banging rocks and sticks together. <laughs> Legitimately, uh, I hope that is okay. Yeah, like th- this will be the one where like it's everyone will finally know just how much he brings to the table, how much intelligent discussion he brings to the table. Because <laughs> I'm not bringing any. I am also not bringing any. <laughs> that being said, I guess because I think Josh accidentally started this tradition last episode and didn't realize it, and I'm choosing to carry it on. Uh, as part of the the opening segment, uh, Danny, what video games have you been playing this week? Uh, this week, I've uh, been playing uh, more Call of Duty, but uh, I started replaying uh, Mortal Redneck because uh, that game is really fucking solid. Uh, it's really easy to sink <laughs> just a whole bunch of time in that game without even really trying. Yeah, that is a super fun fucking game. Like, obscenely fun. Uh, but I also started... Uh, I, I only started playing Immortal Redneck again uh, because I was at my buddy's house and tried out a game called Gunfire Reborn, <clears throat> which you can find on Steam. It is currently in early access for about, like, ten bucks, I want to say. Um, and that is a roguelike uh, border, Borderlands-esque kind of roguelike uh, and that is um, since it is Borderlands-esque you can play with your buddies uh, I'm not super experienced or turbo familiar with the game but I've really liked what I've played so far right sorry I need uh, to pop that in there I forgot to put that in there uh, to separate like, this is where episode three starts. No, oh, that's fine. That's more for me than any anyone else. Yeah, I, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not super... super duper familiar with uh, Gunfire Reborn, but I've played probably about two hours of it now. Uh, about... Uh, probably about like hour and 40 minutes like undocumented uh, on his computer and now I have like 25 minutes on uh, my copy that I got yesterday right but uh, yeah definitely check out Gunfire Reborn if you're interested in uh, roguelike shooters uh, or co-op co-op games so um, my, my week, what I've been doing this week is I, I decided that I'm going to be a real gamer now 
and I've been replaying a lot of, uh, revisiting a lot of games that I've played in the past, but playing them on <coughs> either the hardest or, like, the second-to-hardest difficulty. Because, mm-hmm. like, for example, I've been playing uh, Bioshock, uh, the HD remaster or whatever, but that one has, it has hard, but then it has Survivor, and I didn't feel like doing Survivor because I don't remember that being in the original game. I can assure you it wasn't. Right, so I'm just, I was trying to stick with what the hardest difficulty was uh, on the original game. So I've been playing a lot of Bioshock on the hardest difficulty, and, uh, but I've been playing, like, I've been starting a bunch of games on the hardest difficulty all at the same time. I haven't been, like, sticking to one, because that way I don't get, like, burnt out on one. And Mm -hmm. it has been fascinating to me how different games handle their hardest difficulties, because, like, Bioshock, there is zero penalty for failure. Like, unless you choose to, like, use up all your resources fighting a big daddy or something, there is no penalty for failure. Right. Whereas, another example... So I've recently purchased uh, the Tyler Tasmanian Tiger HD remaster on the Switch and am attempting uh, the new hardcore mode on there. And it is... The fucking most unforgiving thing. So, <laughs> so it's on on certain areas for starters. On certain areas, they spawn like tougher enemies that aren't normally there, or just more of them. Like in the very one of the very first levels, shipwrecks. The first like water level, you get to an area where there's a couple sharks, and you're supposed to swim in the cages to avoid them. But there's like there's so many fucking sharks. There's sharks everywhere. And the other problem is. Hardcore mode is essentially you beat the game without dying or you don't beat the game. Because you get one life, there are only autosaves, and if you die, you restart the whole thing from the beginning. I found that out the hard way. Oof. Yeah. That's a real... That's a real oof. But I played a shitload of Tyler Tasmanian Tiger back in the day when it was on the PS2. And me and James, not too long ago, just finished a, another playthrough of it on uh, the X-Sanity channel. So I keep telling myself, I'm like, no, this will not beat me. I can I can beat fucking Ty the Tasmanian Tiger on whatever bullshit hardcore mode it thinks it has. <laughs> the plus side is that, so, like, the health pickups in that game are, like, slices of pie or whatever. And there are, like, picnic baskets scattered throughout the levels where... You break them open, and it can be, like, a slice of pie, if you're super lucky, an extra life, or, like, a magnet to, like, collect the pickups or whatever if you just get near them. Um, But in this one, all of the places where extra lives would be hidden, they just put, like, the picnic baskets, and every single one of them drops basically a full health pickup. So that's pretty cool. I enjoy that. Plus, the, there's still an exploit where if there happens to be somewhere in the level where you can, like, swim, the exploit where if you dive underwater and then come back up, all your health comes back, that's still there. So, <laughs> so you can there, just fucking cheese it out. There are ways there. Look, they chose not to fix it. I choose to keep using it. That's completely fair. That's dominant strategy right there. Yeah. Also, in this current run... Uh, that I'm doing of hardcore mode, because I'm on, like, my third run. Um, so, there are, in, like, the hub area, 
There are collectibles in the hub area called Rainbow Scales, and there are 25 of them. And if you collect them all, then you get, like, uh... You know how in Super Mario Odyssey, you have, like, three hearts, but you can get the big heart and it can be six? Right. It's basically like that, except permanent, if you collect all 25 of them. Um, so I restarted one of the hardcore runs and was, like, hammering on the, like, X button to skip through the cutscene. And for some fucking reason, it bugged out and activated the cutscene where you collect all the rainbow scales and has marked that I have done so, even though it's not physically possible at this point. So I have, like, a full round of extra hits to go through this hardcore mode with now that have just been blessed to me. Uh, you should figure out how to get that exploit re- replicable. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I was just, like, spamming the X button to skip through, like, the first cutscenes. And, like, as soon as... Because I skipped the main cutscene, like, the opening one. Then the game loaded in, and then there's another cutscene... And I just, like, kept spamming the whole time, and then it immediately, for some reason, like, it looked like the game was going to start, and then it jumped straight into, like, congratulations, you found all 25 MacGuffins, and I'm like, no, I I didn't. In fact, I can't at this point. It's impossible. (laughs) But I'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. So... I don't consider that cheating because the game fucked up. I didn't didn't do anything to make it fuck up that I knew of. Absolutely. I mean... Don't get me wrong, that's an exploit, but it's not one that you did on, like, you sought out. Yeah, yeah, until this, I don't even know if that is, like, an actual exploit that you can activate, or if the game just straight up bugged. Uh, the game probably just straight up bugged. I doubt right. you can replicate getting the super special, uh, all 25 cutscene by just, on startup, spamming X. Like, yeah. every time, I don't think, I don't think that's a, uh... Something you could do 100% every time you start up tie. <laughs> right, right. But so yeah, that's uh, that's uh, mostly what I've been playing this week. So it's been fun. So right you on. said uh, you said you had a couple a couple topics you wanted to bring to the table. Uh, yeah, uh, one of them I'm gonna. Let's see here. What do, what do you want to get out of the way? Do you want to get... Um, I have Call of Duty stuff I kind of want to talk about. Uh, and then I have... Uh, um, the fuck did my other thing go here? Let's see. I'm gonna... Fucking moron. I had tabs that I wrote my shit on, but I guess I deleted the tab because I'm intelligent. Right. And let me copy this link really quick and pop it in the Discord chat because I do have a topic that I am interested in. Have you heard of this? Where Oculus headsets moving forward will require a Facebook account to use. Uh, I have heard about this. Uh, I've not looked into it, but I have... So this this I'm, article I'm aware of the issue. This article is from uh, theverge.com. Uh, you'll need a Facebook account to use future Oculus headsets. Support for separate Oculus accounts will end in 2023. 
Oculus will soon require all of its virtual reality headset users to sign up with a Facebook account. The Facebook-owned company says it will start removing support for separate Oculus accounts in October, although users can maintain an existing account until January 1st, 2023. All users can maintain a distinct VR profile with a separate friends list. So, I am... I have actually been intending to, uh, probably before the end of this year, uh, pick up an Oculus Quest because uh, I've I'm just super excited about the Oculus Quest because you technically don't need a PC or any wires or anything. Just wireless, actual quality virtual reality headset is fucking amazing and everything I've heard about it is that it actually works and it's actually really cool and knowing now that I'll need a Facebook account I am actually not all that bothered um, if it does remain as they said where like the VR part the fact that I have an Oculus Quest that has to be synced to my Facebook account as long as that does stay separate I'm actually not all that bothered and I feel like that might just be like a generational thing Uh, yeah. Here's the thing, right? Is it's not. It's not something to get incredibly angry about, but it is an inconvenience for sure, right? Because if there's an issue with Facebook or whatever. Yeah, I I feel like it's gonna be close to the same vein of when uh, Google required everybody on YouTube to sync it with a Google Plus account. Which Google Plus has since, you know, gone away. So, in the end, uh, it didn't even matter. But I feel like yeah. it'll be similar to that. I, I definitely think it's going to be pretty minimal. Uh, and if it's not, uh, there's no way that it's lasting long, right? Because if it's a total shit show, then people will just, I feel, completely uh, jump rift or, or, or jump ship to the rift. Um, yeah. Purely because I, I think that's. It's just what a lot of people tend to to do. Like, uh... Oh, the Rift is Oculus. Did you mean the Vive? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. Which, the uh, Vive is apparently, uh... Like, it's an H it's HTC Vive, but I believe that's actually, like, owned. Or was at least partially developed, so, like, partially owned uh, by Valve, so... I know it's partially by Valve, but I, I feel like if it... If, if Facebook, like, a requirement for the Oculus is, like, a total shit show, I just feel like people are just going to jump ship just because that's a common yeah, thing to do in, in like, today's society. Uh, especially with, like, exclusivity of games. Like, um, if people... Uh, for, for example, people who are fans of, like, Microsoft, but there is literally zero things launching on the... One X. I feel like a lot of people are going to jump ship to, to PS Five. Right, right. Um, I've just well, it was it kind of a weird thing to me because obviously their their market base like for the Oculus is going to be like, uh, people my age and like maybe a little bit older in their thirties, but beyond that, it's going to be mostly like younger generations, and. There has been an argument for a long time that most of them don't 
even really like have like Facebook accounts or bother making one. And even if they do, it's just like so they can talk to their parents and grandparents because Facebook is definitely like if you look at Facebook's average user base, like pretty much everyone I know at work that is like three to five years my junior, like they all have Facebook accounts, but like they don't use them. Like they don't post. I can see that they don't post anything because they have every other social media account. They have like uh, Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok, whereas. I don't have any of those. I literally have Facebook and Twitter. So, that's why that's why I think this is just like I mean, I get that Facebook owns Oculus. They have the right to do whatever they want with it. But there's just like such a right. weird generational gap in who does and doesn't actually use Facebook that I don't I that's why I feel like it's going to be like Google Plus where they're going to sign up because you've made them, but they're still not going to use it. Right. But, I don't know. I think... I think part of the reason is because Facebook knows... Facebook knows that its main user base is older, and that... the older people aren't going to be around forever. So, they're trying to come up with a way to, like, make people have to use Facebook in the long term. Because I have no doubt... I have no doubt that Facebook will eventually go away. Uh, in in one way or another, like the, there might not be an actual, uh, like Facebook website, but I'm sure the it, it'll 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 be like MySpace. It'll adapt. Yeah. It, it it already owns so many other apps and um, social media like um, social media websites. Like it, it it really will not matter if Facebook goes away or not because it truly never will. Right. And, well, plus, there are so many other ways to, like, share things with your friends and, like, talk to people and interact with people online that, like, even, like, okay, so we've got, like, Discord here. Beyond that, you have just basic text messaging. You still have, like, all kinds of, like, instant messengers. If you don't like regular text messaging, you can get any number of instant messengers for your phone. You've got Snapchat, you've got Instagram, you have Twitter to some degree. There are just an insane number of ways to connect and share with, like, friends and people online that, like, you don't, like, you don't have to go, there is no, like, one social media platform anything, uh, or, uh, anymore, rather, which I think is, like, one of the biggest changes that the 2010 to 2020, like, that 10-year gap, I think that's one of the biggest things to come out of what are they calling it? The naughties, I believe. That people don't really talk about. So we went from like having, uh, we went from the early two thousands to having like one major social media, to which was MySpace, uh, eventually being overthrown by Facebook, to having like, just like hundreds of different social media apps to the point where nobody can keep up. No, yeah, it was like MySpace, and that was, that was. Facebook for a while, and then Facebook came and was Facebook, and then fucking Twitter came out. I remember, I remember when Twitter like first popped up, and everyone was like talking about it. I, yeah, I was like probably. Hold on, let's get the actual like day. 
It was, uh, God. 2011? It was actually, it actually launched in 2006. Oh, okay. But I would say, I would say 2009 to like 2011 is when I started really hearing about Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember that Twitter used to be, the thing about Twitter was that when it, when I was in high school, like still like a freshman and stuff, and Twitter was starting to gain traction and get like real big, it was like, back at that point, unless I'm remembering this incorrectly, all of those like wacky zany brand accounts and stuff that were run by corporations, those weren't really a thing. Uh, and all of like, all of the account, all of the millions of like personal, just like your average dipshit accounts that exist now and that flood the site didn't seem to be as prevalent. Like, yeah, there were obviously just a bunch of average users, but the only thing that anybody saw that was in everybody's feed was like, really well-known people, like your celebrities and stuff like that. And it seemed like this really cool way to actually, for, like, the average person to interact with these people. And then somewhere, it fucking spiraled out of control and is whatever it is now. That's that's what I remember Twitter being. That was the entire reason I even uh, made a Twitter account, was because it was like, oh, because it was, like, cool, so... Now these, like, actors and uh, shit that I like, when they post shit, it's actually them. That's super cool. And I can reply to actually them. Right. And now, I don't even... Now it's just a place for people to hide in echo chambers. It's literally... Twitter is now Tumblr, too. Absolutely. Except with more... Except with porn. The porn's still there. Uh, on where? On Twitter? Yeah. The answer is yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's, a shit- <laughs> There's a shitload of porn on Twitter. Speaking of which, serious question. Is, do you think it is that you should, people shouldn't be afraid to publicly support like, their favorite artists on Twitter, even if the art they create is primarily, like, hentai or Rule 34. Uh, here's, here's... Like, basically, the question is, is good art good art, regardless of the subject matter? Is it okay to be horny on main? Is that the question (laughs) we're posing today? Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I think it can be okay. Uh, I don't appreciate when I open up Twitter and there's just a five-minute-long stream of porn <laughs> on my timeline. Never Look, appreciative I'm, of that. I'm I'm not gonna front. Save for like two. I have. Most of the ones that I follow on Twitter, like, muted, so they don't show up in my timeline, so that if I open Twitter in public, like, I don't get fired from my job or something. Like, it's strictly so that, like, when I'm at home and I'm like, man, what what are these, what are these people up to? Because it's not, like, always just strictly, hey, here's more porn I drew, like... Sometimes they post legitimate statuses or, like, they're sh- they share links and they share their opinions. And it's, like, 
stuff right, that like I can get behind. Often, like I want to know. Often you know, artists like, will still draw pieces of art that aren't titty. Yeah. And yeah. beyond that, even if it is like all titty all the time, like some of those artists are really fucking good artists. And yeah. no, I, I hear just, what you're saying. I I just want to be like I my you have my support. You're doing good shit. Keep it up. Hang it at a museum one day. <laughs> Plus, so in this, I got to witness. Uh, I say witness. I don't know. This was. For me, it was kind of surreal, but also really just like a, aw, that's cute moment. Um, it's like on Twitter, there are two artists that uh, I follow. And beyond their art, just like both their art just being really uh, fucking good. Um, a lot of their tweets are like really fucking funny. And uh, I can't like speak for sure because I don't know them like personally, obviously, but... Just from, uh, they just, they just seem like really cool down-to-earth people. Like, I would assume they are. But there are two artists that I, I guess you could say that I have known about their art in my formative years. Uh, I think is a term that Josh would use. So, one of them is, a an artist whose handle is Nitro. And... Uh, another one is an artist whose handle is, uh, Sif, S-I-F, and so I followed both of them on Twitter independently and have been fans of their art independently, and then at, just at fucking random one day, I log on to Twitter and I see that they have started dating, and I was like, <gasps> there's a new story arc! <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason that's just still super fucking weird to me like what what are the goddamn odds it's like when two celebrities you really like get together right I don't know maybe I'm just fucking weird <laughs> I am happy for them though but yeah no. that was the main that, the main question was: Is it is it cool to uh, publicly follow stuff like that? I think Josh would say yes. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever looked at uh, the people Josh follows, but I think he would be like, "Absolutely, are you fucking stupid?" <laughs> I, I think it really shouldn't matter. Like if if that's if that's what you want to do, uh, all for it. Um, it's really easy to sit back and uh, just mock people. For following porn accounts, but at the same time, like, it, ultimately, it doesn't matter. Uh, like, if you're good enough friends with the, the person uh, who might be being horny on main, uh, you truly don't give a shit. <laughs> right. Right. That was... If it's, if it's that big of a problem to you, literally just mute the account that they follow. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Alright, well, I'm glad we could come to a, to a scientific, uh, what's the word? Answer, I guess, here. That, uh, it's, uh, it's okay to be horny on main. You follow who you want on Twitter. You support, if somebody's making art that you really like, and you think they're doing a great job, and they're just a good fucking artist, 
you support them. Don't feel ashamed to support them. Because they're out chasing a dream the exact same as you are. And they de and they deserve uh, uh, support for that. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I... So, That's, sorry, go ahead. Here's what I've brought for us today. I have an actual topic that we'll get to sometime later. Okay. Uh, but I also have two items that I don't think stand on their own. Uh... But we're gonna put them back to back, so it's like I have it's like I have two topics. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Yeah. What do we have on the docket? Let's go. <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk about um, zombies being like a hundred percent confirmed and stuff. Uh, for uh, the new Call of Duty, uh, mostly because I'm interested. To, to see what they do because apparently it's going to be like a much more you know how World at War and uh, Black Ops 1 were sort of grounded in reality like the experiments and zombies and shit came from actual yeah. real life conspiracy theories and other shit that happened uh, yeah. like Nazi research and all that shit yeah George Romero told me yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> It's a really niche joke, but I love it. <laughs> um, for the for Cold War, the zombie storyline is going to go go back to being rooted in stuff like that, and less of the fantastical beasts and where to find them that we got in Black Ops Three and Four. <laughs> <laughs> right? Is it is it is it even going to be connected, or is it going to start like its whole its own I'm, canon? I'm sh I'm sure it's gonna start its whole new thing. the The way it was worded in the reveal, um, is it's gonna be a whole new zombies experience. So I, d I don't even think that they're gonna go back to the chaos storyline from four. Right. Um. Which isn't a bad thing, uh, but it's not a good thing either because the story, the chaos storyline in Black Ops Four, really wasn't awful. Uh, but the way they ended it sure was. Like, it's it, they left it on a cliffhanger. Uh, and who knows if we'll ever see the Chaos uh, crew again. Probably not, because it ended with two of them dying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that'll do it. That'll, that'll it put all. you... That'll put you out of the game. <laughs> but it was, a, it was a real fucking cliffhanger, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll see something. I doubt it. I so super... I'm... I super doubt we're going to get the Primus or Ultimus crew back in any capacity, like even a reboot. I imagine we're going to go uh, just like a whole new scenario going forward. But it would be cool to see like a reboot of the Ultimus storyline or something. Right. Right. I'm interested in if you have read, because I haven't, if you have read anything about the zombies mode apparently coming to Warzone. Because I remember having a conversation with a coworker about all of the like weird stuff that had been going on in Warzone with like the bunkers and like the weird like wolf howls and stuff. And I remember having that conversation with him and being like, "You don't like you don't think right? Like it couldn't possibly like they wouldn't so, 
They wouldn't put zombies in it, would they? So I read about this a while ago, and because I, I was having kind of the same idea, I was like, they might. I, I, I really started to hop on that train when I found out that um, Modern Warfare had a zombies mode that was scrapped, because uh, they decided that it just didn't fit the theme of their game, which I, 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 I largely agree with. I think zombies is, is a beast that should be really left to Triarch. And, and give Triarch right. time, because we've seen what happens when we put such an emphasis on Triarch doing, like, a whole bunch of shit at once. Like, Black Ops 4 was an unmitigated fucking disaster. Right. Uh, just pretty much all around. Uh, like, Blackout was super cool, I guess. Uh, but it was, it was basically, like, the Wii U of Call of Duty games. It was really more of just a blueprint for something else. Right. Um, but going forward, uh, I'm I'm excited to see what they do. I know there's going to be um, cross-platform again, which is a, a fucking brilliant move. I uh, don't see why the fr- the franchise would take that away. I think going forward, that the Call of Duty franchise should stay cross-platform. I do hope that they clean up their anti-cheat a little bit for this one. Yeah. Because uh, the anti-cheat on Modern Warfare is pretty butt. No no cap. Uh, but if they, if they stay to the sort of Warzone-esque formula that they apparently are going to... Uh, you know, scientifically milk down to the last cent. Um, everything for Cold War should be free, uh, including zombies maps. Right. I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure out because I had I had read something about World at War specifically regarding the soundtrack that was really fucking interesting. I'm trying to see if I can find it again to see if it was actually uh, true. So it was about like okay, this is fucking wild. I'm learning new stuff. So the composer for World at War was a composer by the name of Sean Murray, who was not the same Sean Murray that lied about everything that had to do with fucking uh, No Man's Sky. Different Sean Murray. Sean Murray with a more likable face. Um... And, uh, apparently, he, when he did the soundtrack, he wanted to uh, have a specific musical path that follows the psyche of the gameplay. Um, and when he did this, this was at the time when uh, audio uh, occlusion, or whatever, like, that O-C-C-L-U-S-I-O-N word, however the fuck you pronounce it, that was like a new technology at that time. But it, that's the thing that changes the sound made by a nearby object, depending on the objects blocking its path. So that was like a new technology at the time. So when they put it, when he used it and put it in World at War, that was like, it was like brand new. They hadn't really, like, no composers or audio engineers had really had time to, like, play with it and s- see how it sounded in the game. So that's, uh... That was actually the first Call of Duty game when you were able to tell the difference between somebody 
walking next to you or somebody walking above or below you. Uh, as well as the difference in, like, shots being fired in the distance or, like, right next to you. But, so apparently the World at War crew traveled to a desert uh, with mountains on both sides, like a, a gun range in the desert, with mountains on both sides to test the frequencies of sounds made by World War II weapons. Microsoft microphones were placed 60 yards behind and 60 yards in front of the gun to test the echoes. And then that was replicated and developed in the studio for the game software. So that's why uh, so that's why whenever like you're playing the multiplayer and you hear like a sniper shot and it ricochets off something, you can figure out where the fuck that came from. Huh. Yeah, I, I've been reading up a lot on like the audio development of World at War, and turns out it was it was super fucking cool. But one of the things I unfortunately can't find uh, on here because I'm just on the fucking I'll go ahead and pop it in the Discord because I'm just on the fucking Wikipedia for it. But I had read somewhere that he uh, took like for the soundtrack, but I unfortunately can't confirm it. But I hope it's true because it would make because the soundtrack for World at War is fucking incredible. But I read somewhere that I read somewhere that he took like actual uh, like Nazi like music, like music made in Nazi Germany during the time the Nazis were in power, right. like operas and shit. And he took actual like Nazi operettas and shit like that and uh, distorted them. And added his own, like, uh, compositions and stuff to create, like, for example, the super haunting, like, soundtrack that you hear in the game's main menu. Mm -hmm. I read somewhere that, like, he did his own composures uh, combined with, like, actual stuff that was made by Nazis for Nazis at the time. Which, like I said, I haven't been able to confirm, but I do hope that's the case, because that's pretty fucking cool. Uh, I mean, I would buy it. You, you have, you have crazy shit like that happening for all kinds of media. Like, uh, right. like how in, I, I, I'm pretty sure I talked about this last time, but, uh, or maybe it was the first podcast. Um, but for, like, Fight Club, <clears throat> the the like uh, library of sounds that they had like stock punches and just shit like that it just wasn't cutting it and and even stuff that they tried to like fully in like sometimes like that just wasn't doing it um, so it got to the point that for some of the foley for that movie they went down to some of the basements uh, from some of the scenes and just microphoned um them like breaking like chicken bones and like other shit like that and if that wasn't cutting it they would literally actually just fucking punch each other <laughs> that's awesome which I can I can only imagine what that must have been like like trying to get one specific punch sound for like two fucking hours and you just can't get it so you walk over to whoever's breaking chicken bones, you just fucking deck them in the face. 
Absolutely, dog. That's how I imagine it went. It, it it was probably a more civilized process, but uh, that's how I like to picture Fight Club being made. Right. So you know what still fucks with me about uh, like the voice cast for World at War? What's that? So first of all, this entire fucking time, unbeknownst to me, uh, until recently, like a couple months recently, Sergeant Roebuck, uh, the world's greatest American hero uh, in the video game land, has been voiced by Kiefer fucking Sutherland this entire time. Uh, believe it or not, I actually did know that. Okay, do you know who did the voice of Sergeant Reznov? Uh, that I do not. Fucking Gary Oldman. That's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> so I know that um, I know that fucking Dempsey is uh. Oh, what is his fucking name? Uh, the Spike. He's Spike Spiegel. <laughs> right. Steve Blum. He's Steve Blum. <laughs> Steve Blum. <laughs> Can't believe I forgot fucking Steve Blum's name. <laughs> Look, it happens, man. You know what they say? Steve Blum, Steve Go. <laughs> Why do they say that? <laughs> I don't know. You'd have to ask Steve. <laughs> I can't. Steve Go. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Call of Duty uh, Black Ops Cold War is happening. Uh, you can commit war crimes uh, for Ronald Reagan uh, as an agender person. Whatever. Who gives a shit, right? Uh, Katy Perry is making a fucking banger video game. <laughs> <laughs> oh. My. God. The thing that really gets me... I haven't actually played the game yet, despite looking at this article for probably about 20 minutes now. <laughs> <laughs> is this, like, but, available? This is available, and it is powered by fucking Alienware. <laughs> oh. This um, is, hold on. This looks like the kind of this looks like the kind of thing that I would boot up, and it would be like somebody would put it in my PC or like in my console or something. Not tell me what it is. They just boot it up. And it hit me with, like, the fucking THX logo. And it would be, like, fucking EA Games. Challenge everything. <laughs> and I'd be like, alright, what are we in for? And then, bam, Katie's Quest. And I'd be like, oh, okay. Alright. Who, who, how many how, how many people did you say are in on this joke? All of them. Okay. Here, I'm, I'm getting us a real fucking banger of a screenshot. Man, I, I cannot wait. But, uh, yeah. Call of Duty, Black Ops, Cold War, whatever the fuck. Looks looks like it could be interesting. Uh, I'll be cautiously optimistic at all way, as always. Um, their announcement about being able to be gender neutral or whatever the fuck, that seems a little bit like, uh, I don't mean this derogatorily, uh, it seems a little bit like pandering. Like, it's just like, it's like they. Th it's like nobody asked. I, nobody asked that question. They just answered the question that nobody asked, and everyone's kind of like, "All right, I, 
even the people that that affects don't seem to literally fucking care. Just make a decent game, okay? <laughs> I, I can assure you it is 100%... Here's the fucking screenshot I was looking for. That is that is a real screenshot from Alienware's website. Explore... Um, for fucking uh, <clears throat> Katie's, Katie's quest there. Hmm. But no, I I it, I, to I not, hope to God it's a Souls like. <laughs> you know what? Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing would make me happier. Anyways, I'm sorry. You were going to say? Uh, I was going to say it, it is 100% pandering because not even the audience that it's trying to pander to uh, gives a shit. Like they yeah. they saw that and were just like, oh, good, I can be fucking completely gender neutral while I. Uh, take this uh, small amount of crack rock and give it to a black guy so that he subs he fucking starts the crack epidemic in Los Angeles. <laughs> I assume that's what the Cold War is going to be like. I, I assume there's going to be a whole mission where uh, if... we fund uh, the Contra killers. I'm not I... interested in that mission. I would honestly assume because this is this is something that they like the problem is, in school, they teach all of these as, like, separate events, even though they were all overlapping and all 100% correlated. I assume that it's going to be, like, a tour of, like, the Korean War, Vietnam, basically all of the little, like, conflicts that we called wars that really only happened because we went there to stop well, communism. I think, it's, I think it's mainly going to take place in the 80s is the thing. Also, I like that the tagline for this game is uh, "Know Your History," and they removed the Tiananmen Square uh, footage from the trailer and probably from the game. <laughs> that is that is know your actually history. fucking hilarious. That the tagline for the game is "Know Your History," and then the game censors history. <laughs> know your history, unless it makes China mad. So, I'm um, I'm I'm just I'm gonna say this right now because if for some reason there was anybody in China that had been listening to this podcast so far somehow some way, real sorry that your government's gonna ban it. <laughs> yeah, that is unfortunate. Um, yeah, almost we are. as unfortunate. As a non-free Hong Kong, <laughs> absolutely. But uh, tell you what, how, you... how else do we get thoroughly banned in China? Do we just talk about Winnie the Pooh for the next like twenty minutes? I was about to say, like, I'm gonna, I'm one hundred percent with you guys. Free Hong Kong, overthrow the oppressive Chinese government, whatever. But you guys got to work for this one. I'm gonna test your chops on getting around that Chinese censorship. To find this episode, because we've talked about Tiananmen Square, Hong Kong, and the thumbnail for this episode is more than likely going to be a picture of Winnie the Pooh, but Winnie the Pooh as caricatured to be whatever the fuck his name is, Xi Jinping. So, uh, good fucking luck. <laughs> I wish you the best. A, it's gonna be a real doozy. Uh, Lock you your here, doors. We appreciate you. We appreciate you risking your safety so you could listen to two guys talk about. Uh, fart jokes and Call of Duty, like it's uh, we 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 love you. Ab absolutely, you keep on 
keep on sticking it to the man, and maybe one day the American government will see fit to actually help. <laughs> uh, we'll see. I don't. I don't know that the American government can help ourselves. No, it's a. Uh, everything. Look, the entire world right now is being held up on fucking lollipop sticks and children's wishes. Because, yeah. well, because here's the thing. Coming in. <laughs> here's the thing. It's like it's like one of those fucking Christmas movies where like Santa can't deliver presents because there's not enough holiday cheer. <laughs> Absolutely. But Absolutely. Here's, here's the thing. So America's in a in a the United States is in a bit of a rough spot right now. And uh it's been that way a lot as of, far as I can remember. Yeah. So and uh a lot of like EU countries like to talk mad shit, poke fun, and like to say, Well at least we're not American but here's like, and I get that as an American living in America, dealing with this shit on the front lines day in day out. I get that, I fully understand. I'm aware of of things like, uh, even if you live in like France, even if you live in like somewhere in the in the uh, European Union, like if you like log on to Google or like like log on to like Google's news section or like just try to check your local news, it is fucking inundated with, like, stuff about the United States, what's happening in the United States. It's near goddamn impossible to find out what's going on in your own fucking country overseas because we have such a chokehold on, like, global media, which is, I think, fucked up. But that is a tangent for another time. That's not the point of what I'm getting at. So I I understand all of that and how big of a fucking problem it is. But I also understand the one thing that nobody in the EU wants to admit, that being that... If if the U.S. falls, you guys come tumbling down with us, motherfucker. We are the glue that is holding you together. Uh, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> like, it... That, that wouldn't be the case if not for the fact that we contribute, like, the most money to NATO and to like or the UN or whatever the fuck one of those one of those groups that all the other EU countries are also supposed to be like committing funds to even though there's like a huge like fucking yeah but aren't we trying to get out of like NATO and the UN right now I think okay I think that was a thing like I think that was something that uh, Trump wanted to do but I, I don't... I, because he, he like, li- literally hasn't, like... I think we might have left NATO, but we're s- still, like, major part of the UN, I believe. Uh, don't quote me on any of that. But what I think happened, because that was, like, a big thing when he first took office, and then it sort of, like, petered out and he stopped talking about it. And I legitimately think it's because, like, they sat him down and said, Mr. President, here's the thing. We cannot do that because the Western world will collapse. <laughs> Are we getting a raw deal? abso fucking lootly But also, it chaos. <laughs> chaos reigns. <laughs> I 
I enjoy uh, non-nuclear war. I don't enjoy any war, to be honest. But non-nuclear war, uh, if I had to pick one. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I will always choose non-nuclear war. There, I mean, uh, we have there is so many... There is zero survival <laughs> uh, in nuclear war. Uh, even if there is survival, uh, zero survival. We're looking at a, a non-option for humanity. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm going to share this uh, video really quick. I'm just going to pop it in the chat. Uh, so that you can watch it later and so that anybody watching on YouTube can see it and find it. But uh, Vladimir Putin, I don't know who he was giving the interview to, but he actually had some really inter interesting things to say on uh, American politics and how little power the president actually has at the end of the day. Uh, I mean, it's, for uh, the most part, I'd be inclined to agree with him. Yeah. Well, here's the fucked up thing about Vladimir Putin. So, obviously, his, like, methods and his tactics are horrific and barbaric. Like, he... He's President Putin, but, I mean, he's he's a dictator. He wants to stay in power above all else. But the fucked up thing about it is it's not in the same way as, like, Xi, uh, Xi Jinping or whatever, or uh, Kim Jong-un. It's not in the same way. Because while I obviously don't agree with, like, his methods or his tactics, Vladimir Putin does genuinely want the best for Russia and its people. Like, that's the fucked up thing. Like, is is he... Could you classify him as a monster? Probably. But I, I feel where, like he, he where he differs... Is definitely, but. Yeah. <laughs> but, but even so, where he... And I'm not, like... I'm not trying to, like put Vladimir Putin up on a pedestal and be like, oh, see, now this is um, this is the model we should aspire to. No, it's just... It's just so fucking... Embrace tradition. <laughs> it's just... It's fucking mind-boggling to me how much he genuinely cares about Russia and its well-being. It is fucking weird to me. Um... Yeah, he just he loves Russia so much that he wants to fucking restore the former Soviet Union. <laughs> Who can blame him? Am I right? Like, okay, so <laughs> just just for any fucking uh, because it's we, we know you're still around. Just for any fucking KGB agents listening into this podcast, uh, uh, I need uh, to. Uh, 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 uh. No, I need to make something clear. FSB. I need to make something clear so FSB. they don't even bother... <laughs> so they don't even bother wasting resources on fucking blackbagging me. So have you guys... Have any of you guys ever seen, like, Meet the Heavy in the Team Fortress 2? So that... Or not Meet the Heavy. Uh, Meet the Pyro, uh, where the Heavy speaks. That is exactly how I feel about Vladimir Putin. So don't even fucking worry about it. <laughs> like, I... <laughs> Definitely, he, if the Russian government is listening, definitely don't worry about us. I assure yeah, you, that, we will have just look up impact. Look up, meet the pyro, and when you hear the dude that is supposed to be Russian, that is how I feel about Vladimir Putin. Uh, in that he scares me. So 
I'm cool just staying here and not fucking worrying about what you guys are doing. Yeah, I'm definitely not about to uh, fly out to Russia and uh, attempt <laughs> vigilantism. That's definitely a non-thing. Um, but sometimes I read the politics of what's happening over there, and I'm like, oh, you silly reds, you know. Just uh, no, they're not communists. I, I want nothing to do with whatever he's talking about. Let me make that clear. <laughs> <laughs> like, Chinese government, you don't scare me. Fuck you. But Russian government, no thank you. Chinese government should scare you. They already have your Fortnite account. I'll free Hong Kong myself. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> I know that sounds like. <laughs> I'm so that's that's tired. that's my deterrent. Don't black bag me and drag me to China. That'll be your downfall. I'll free Hong Kong myself. <laughs> but only if you take me there. Like I'm not making the trip myself. I'm not gonna bother as long as I stay here. <laughs> What does Tencent own besides Epic? Well, I know they Too don't much. Like, own Epic, but they have a decent. They for all for all intents and purposes, they own Epic. Right, right, right. They've got a good fucking grip on Arma and Daisy as well. Uh, oh man! Don't they? Don't they have like? Doesn't Tencent have, like... I would have to check, but since you're already looking at it, you could probably find it quicker than I could. Doesn't Tencent have, like, a major stake in Activision Blizzard? It sure does. That's what I fucking thought. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was like, Tencent owes, owns too much. That's exactly why all that shit happened with Overwatch. It has, um... Yeah, it has 5% stakes... In Activision, uh, Ubisoft, and Paradox Interactive. I assume that's 5% in each of those companies. More than likely. Which I know 5% doesn't sound like a lot, but trust me, I, I assure you it's that 5%, 5% stake in a major company like that is millions upon millions of dollars. Uh, I know that they, uh, a while ago... Well, uh, really quick, just to... I think it was a while ago. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I, I was going to say, just to give the quick explanation <laughs> to anybody that's not, like, versed in it. Um, when we say that Tencent has 5% stake in, the, in these companies, they have a 5% stake as shareholders, which means they're basically... Tencent, in this scenario, is basically the investors, and they're expecting, like, Activision Blizzard to do well... Because when it comes time to pay out, uh, to pay the 5% uh, back to Tencent, uh, Activision Blizzard wants to make sure that it has the money to do that, or Tencent will stop funding them and Activision Blizzard will be in trouble. So, it's all it's all that fucking, you know, corporate eat the rich bullshit that everyone's always going on about, but that's that's the basics of, of why Tencent having 5% stake in a company is a major thing. Right, and to and to expand on that a little bit, um, there was like a big stink 
a while ago because Path of Exile uh, was acquired by uh, Tencent, basically. It's like 80%, but they basically have Path of Exile. Like, they fucking... That's their game at at this point. Yeah. Uh, Which is controversial because while they're... Well, I'm pretty sure there are microtransactions in Path of Exile. It wasn't, like, going out of its way to make you spend money. I'm pretty sure Path of Exile is just a uh, a game where it's like, you, you feel, like, obligated to support the developers just because they did a real fucking bang-up job and you, you would wish to support them. Um, right. That's, uh... But there's... There's concern because of Tencent's business model that the game is going to be real, real cluttered with bullshit soon. Yeah. That's why, that's why, like, whenever I, like, actually pre-order something, unless it's something that I'm just turbo excited for, if I pre-order something or, like, get early access for something or, like, anything like that, which I rarely do, but if it does happen, it's usually... For like a smaller like independent developer because those are the ones that need to actually be supported because a lot of the the gaming industry is like you know it's the history repeats itself fucking thing so it's uh it's rotating back into like the shit that <laughs> this is the game industry <laughs> yeah basically so it's well because in the eighties, when uh, anybody that thinks that what is going on now is cool, I encourage you to look up Atari's business practices, Atari's industry beliefs, and what actually happened to Atari and why the Western video game market crashed. Because the exact same fucking thing is happening, and when that happened, a lot of uh, publishers split off from the major like the or a lot of developers rather split off from the major publishers and became independent developers and basically flooded the market with their games which argue which was part of the problem but it would have been fine if Atari themselves had been making decent games but they weren't so there were no decent games coming from anybody so everybody was like wow Video games are garbage, like like legitimate garbage. But the interesting thing is, like at that time, a lot of the major players today, like Activision, for example, they were the independent developers back in the '80s. And now that the cycle is repeating itself, it's it obviously like the digital landscape is way different today than the 1980s. But that's it's why it's super duper important, probably more important than ever, to support like good independent developers that, like, make good shit. Right. But, yeah, soup, if, you, if you've never... Anybody out there listening, if you've never looked it up, never read anything about it, I absolutely encourage you to just look up uh, anything about the downfall of Atari. I'm gonna check or the video game crash in general. I'm gonna put Speaking a link of, uh, to of good Ahoy's video really quick. Uh, developers. Go ahead. I'm gonna I'm gonna take this time to plug uh, New Blood Studio. Uh, is it is it New? I think it's New Bloods. Actually, I could be wrong, but uh, 
So here's a. I'm gonna plug this oh, one. It's, it's New Blood Interactive. Uh, please support these guys. Uh, nothing but uh, love for New Blood. Uh, some of the nicest uh, game developers uh, and creators online. If they, they make really if, dope shit. If you have any links or anything, go ahead and pop them in the chat so that people can see them and find them easier. Yeah, but, really anything. Quick. Anything that you need to know is here. Uh, if you want links to then, games directly, uh, does this work? Really quick, I'm gonna go ahead and drop a link. This is a. This takes them to their their merch store, but I'm gonna I'm gonna drop it anyway because this is my favorite URL of all time. <laughs> <laughs> that's a solid. That's a solid URL. Um. So here's a link to a YouTube video. Uh, I 100% recommend this guy's content. This is legitimately some of the absolute best content on YouTube, like bar none. But this is a super interesting video on... Uh, Danny, I know you know about this guy. And would you agree with me? Like, this is hands down is some this... of the best content on YouTube. Who, who is this? Is this Ahoy? Oh, yeah, I see yeah. his name. Yeah, no, Ahoy is, is uh, really good at explaining literally what whatever it is he's talking about. Yeah. Like, I, I'm i not even, like, a crazy... Like, don't get me wrong, like, I like guns, and I'm interested in guns, but I'm not a crazy, like, gun pennant. But I will sit down and watch him talk about, like, oh. an MP5 or whatever. Yeah, he does, he does a series called Iconic Arms, and it's, like, uh, it's what it sounds like. It's, like, iconic weaponry that... Uh, you will see like in countless video games like for example the Glock or the AK-47 or whatever but his, uh, his like title video like when you go to his channel is for the uh, MP40 yeah and he it they're just it's the content is just so fucking well made well written well executed it's fucking incredible like in any Iconics Ar Iconic Arms video he's gonna give you like the history of that weapon like, m more than you would, like, more than you could probably find in its fucking Wikipedia <laughs> article. And then he's gonna tie it in to video games some fucking how, and it's amazing. I love the, I love his channel. Yeah, like, Ahoy, Ahoy is really good. Like, the, the videos show up, like, months apart, but every single time it is worth the wait. Just, just the one that's in the uh, Discord chat on YouTube... Uh, it's called Crash, The Year Video Games Died. That's one of his shorter ones, because he can make, like, hour-long videos. Uh, but that's one of his shorter ones. It's, like, seven minutes long. Just watch that one, and you'll you'll see what we're talking about. Because it, it can't be explained very well. It has to be experienced. It's legitimately... It is too good for YouTube. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's the end of my little soapbox. Uh... I would start with that video. Anybody that wants to, uh, and he's got countless others. So that not know. not I, just if you want to I learn about like the. I don't think that the video game Crash Two Electric Boogaloo will happen, but uh, you know, it could happen. It's it's well, no secret that this industry is uh, kind of a shithole. Yeah, and again, I mean, when video games crashed, it was literally only in the West. The uh, Japanese video game market was booming. I don't think it ever really stopped. I think it was a. Uh, 
there's a another pretty pretty good content creator that I like, uh, Larry Bundy Jr. Danny, you ever watch any of his stuff? Yeah, I'm I'm familiar with Larry. Yeah. I think he was a uh, he was talking in one of his videos uh, about other, I think it was a video focusing on Atari, and he uh, he basically just made some like hypotheticals in that uh, if uh, I think I want I want to say it was Larry Bundy Jr. I might be insane, but it sounds like it, it was from it, one of his it, videos. It, it, but it, it could equally also be uh, DJ Slope. Familiar if you're familiar with uh, DJ Slope, I am not. But the hypotheticals are basically like uh, what, how the landscape could have been very different had Atari uh, had all of Atari's hopes and dreams not fallen through and hadn't crashed, and had a Japanese console maker not dominated the American console market. That's like uh, maybe there maybe there wouldn't have been an anime boom in the '90s. And just all this other stuff, and I'm like, yeah, you know, that's a good point. Something to think about. We could all be very different right now. Certainly. So. Um, here is... I, I probably shouldn't link this here. Well, not that I shouldn't. But you know what? Here's for not caring. <laughs> it's, uh, he's, he's just Larry Bundy, too. Oh, okay. I didn't know him by the handle, but yeah, I, I'm aware of uh, Dan, Daniel Ibertson. Yeah, no, he he does he does good work. He often uh, covers similar or uh, works with uh, Larry Bundy. Yeah. So somewhat off topic, kind of out of left field uh, regarding uh, Larry Bundy. So have you seen how much? fucking weight that man has lost? Uh, I have, actually. He looks like fucking James. Yeah, no, he looks it, great. It, he bought, it him, is, bought himself a little Pac-Man suit. That, I, I did see that picture. That suit is fucking dope. So, not, not that I expect that he would ever hear this, uh, but I'm not even gonna lie. Seeing, uh, just the complete fucking life-changing turnaround that uh, he was able to accomplish is pretty much the only thing that has been motivating me to keep up with my diet. <laughs> because it, it's literally just like, alright, if that man can fucking do it, so can I. There are no excuses. Right. So, thanks, Larry. Uh, Did you have any other you, uh, topics? And uh, I have one uh, last one. I'm trying to see if I had any more. Uh, what you got? Uh, so for my last one, uh, this is this article from Time? I think I think that's the correct link. Video games may be key to keeping World War II memory alive. That sounds interesting. I was, I was wondering what your... Because uh, the, the second part of that title is Here are five World War II games worth playing according to a historian. Which, uh, the choices that they have... Uh, some some of these I have not heard of. In fact, uh, the, the first two I have not. Uh, but they look real fucking interesting. And it's an, it's an interesting point that I wanted to talk about. Um... Because I don't I necessarily... Say, I think... Well, 
I, I do agree with the the title that video games may may be key to keeping uh, the memory of World War Two yeah. alive. More so the history. I, I don't well, think that we should honor the memory of a war, uh, but the history of it certainly. Right. Well, the thing I think I was gonna say I think uh, it might have been in one of the iconic arms game uh, series, uh, either like the Thompson or the MP40 video. But I think Ahoy talks at length about the uh, after the war there was like a World War Two like boom as far as like movies or whatever, and then it died off, but then was revived by video games. But then that too died off, but it's like starting to come back. Um, but the thing about World War Two is there is uh, a I don't think we're ever gonna forget World War Two or like the memory of World War Two. But the thing about World right. War Two is there is so much. Like that happened in World War Two, and not just like the major battles or anything, but like individual stories of like heroism and daring do, and just completely insane wacky shit, like some Canadian man storming the beaches with a fucking claymore. Just so much shit like that. That so almost almost every year I learn about a new person from World War Two. Like, did you and Josh get the Canadian link I guy? sent you? There's that Canadian guy. But there's also uh, Mad Jack. Uh, I Churchill. I know about Mad Jack. So that's two people who went to the beaches of Normandy and said, "Fuck it, I've got this longbow, I've got this claymore, I've got this horse." <laughs> well, because wasn't the thing about Mad Jack is even after World War Two, he just like he basically just started like joining guerrilla warfare groups in like different conflict areas sure, of the world. I'm pretty sure that is because he's. Yeah. Because that was the other thing about World War Two is there were so many men that just, like, lived to fight. And when the war ended, they were like, nah. <laughs> yeah. Like, the, what was it, the one Japanese soldier who served for, like, another, what was it, like, ten years or some shit like that? Yeah, something like that. But, uh, did you, did you and Josh see this that I posted about? I'll post this uh, excerpt here again so everybody can look this guy up. I just I just learned about this guy like last week and it's fucking insane. He didn't actually get a, a medal of honor. Like he got his medal of honor posthumously, obviously, but he didn't actually get his medal of honor until 2002. What's his name? Benjamin Lewis Solomon. I want to yeah. say and the reason he didn't maybe get I don't his know about this person uh specifically but there are, there are uh, stories very very similar to this one. Yeah. This well, is the reason, fucking insane, though. <laughs> the reason he didn't get his Medal of Honor until 2002 is because something something about... I think it was like... I want to say the G Geneva Convention or something. Something. Some, like, codes of war or something that existed at the time. Because after they found him, like, almost immediately after they found him, all of his commanding officers, like put in requests for his Medal of Honor, but they, whoever the fuck is in charge of that wouldn't do it, because when he was found, he was wearing a, uh, like, a Red Cross armband, and there are, like, rules that prevent medical personnel from engaging with the enemy, and it's like, it all gets, like, I mean, real specific. I, I, I get that. I, I definitely get that there are, there are rules to these things, and, 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 and but, a certain order. But, uh, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. But apparently, so, like, his commanding officers put in for it, and they wouldn't do it, and then, like, 
they did it again. And basically, they just kept, like, up until, like, the last few people, like, passed away. People that, like, served with him and knew him and remembered him, like, his family. They just kept fucking requesting his goddamn Medal of Honor. And then in 2002, they were like, you know what, you're right. We've been wrong. <laughs> Literally took out just shy of a hundred enemy soldiers, like... It, uh, yeah. Are you shitting? Are you shitting? <laughs> to, to, put, to, to put it in the most fucking, uh, probably, like, disrespectful term possible, motherfucker had a 101 KD. <laughs> he absolutely had a 101 KD. <laughs> this dude got on fucking making day and fucking got <laughs> he got sleight of hand and stopping power somehow we're not even sure he picked up the browning and he didn't put it down until he got put down <laughs> yeah it's like apparently when they found him they found him with like just like an unethical amount of like bayonet wounds and like bullet holes oh, and yeah, the was, only thing the only shot, thing they could like, he, was, he was fucking perforated yeah. Well, the only thing they could figure is that, uh, is that he, uh, he, he, basically, the Japanese were a bit butthurt. <laughs> Was the only thing well, that they I'm, could figure when they yeah, found I'm him. I'm reading about it right now, and, uh, 24, <laughs> 24 of the 76 different times he was shot, uh, 24 of them he was potentially still alive for. Like, Benjamin Lewis Solomon did fucking work that day. He's a goddamn hero. I remember when I... I forgot where I saw this story, but it was like... I don't know, some site somewhere. And I remember one of the comments being like... uh, Somebody was like, I like to imagine... uh, He's fucking, like, putting on surgical gloves as he's, like, getting ready to load his rifle. And he's going, you know, I don't normally take walk-ins, but I guess I can make an exception. So, would you like to care at what percentage of forces he took out that day? Uh, do do tell. Please do tell. Uh, <laughs> uh repeating, of course. That is, that's a that lot man, for one guy. That man actually said, and there's there's a layer to that, because, as you might have noticed, I said point three repeating. Of course, that man said, "Fuck calculations." It's Leroy Jenkins time. The well, see the thing about it is like. He absolutely could have just evacuated with everyone else, but he chose a different route. He chose a route that he knew he was not going to survive. Yeah. Absolutely. It's more than commendable. Like, that that was literally a guy that just got real pissed off and said, I... Fuck it. War is hell, but I'm killing as many of you as I can. (laughs) No one's having any fun today. 
Especially not you. <laughs> if God had wanted you to live, he would not have created me. <laughs> Is basically what happened. But, yeah, that's that's the thing about World War II, though, is there are so many fucking stories like that that, like like I said, I've, I, I still, to this day, hear about new ones. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, like, there is an unending amount. I, I don't think that we'll ever <clears throat> forget World War II, um... But I don't, I don't know if video games are the, the key exactly. I know I said I agree with the title. But only, I would say only to a degree, because it's not a replacement for actually picking... I, I can't play World at War and then be like, oh yeah, I've read The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. <laughs> like, right. that's, that's not equitable to each other. Which, which I, uh, I just looked over, I actually have a copy of that. I have a copy of that in my closet as well. <laughs> yeah. It's uh well, I mean it's an important book to have a copy of. Uh, absolutely. Like, but yeah, but no, I, I absolutely see what you're saying. But now, it's all well, the other thing about World War Two is that like even even cuz you can even say that the civil the the American Civil War didn't have this. It's like the only time, the only real time in human in the history of human conflict where there was a very clear line between you know, this is actual evil. We're not just fighting for, you know, our countries or whatever. We may in fact be fighting to save the world. Yeah. No, World War Two is definitely like, uh, definitely. World War Two was like a turning point in so many different things, right? You have turning points in technology uh, of all kinds, including those used in war. Um, but you you also have a completely like new culture shift, uh, like coming about. Yeah. During this this time of, of fucking great yeah, like, anguish that we didn't even get involved in until, like, the end of it. Like, for the most... For, like... Uh, uh, let's, let's see here. When did World War II actually start? It was, like, 30... 30... Like, 9? I'm gonna Is that right? Up. Because I don't want to misinform no, people. No, it's not. It's not thirty-nine. It would have to be before. World War Two started. You were correct. September first, nineteen thirty-nine. Oh, and it okay. ended. It ended officially September second, nineteen forty-five. So, like a full however many years that is, six years. So for half half of the war, we were not even involved. We didn't even. No, we get didn't involved until forty-three. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess 42 technically, but it was literally right as we were transitioning into the new year. All, like, damn near. So. But yeah, on, yeah, on September 1st, Germany invaded Poland, and that started World War II. 
that that was the event that started yeah, World yeah, War Two. World War Two, I, I don't think is ever going the way. But I agree with this title, um, for certain other things because, th- for one, there's no, there's absolutely zero, none, no shortage of World War Two media. We will have it until the end of fucking time itself. Yeah. Um. But I, the I other do think like historical games and stuff like that I do think that is a, a key to keeping some of the history alive because I know um, for me personally like growing up playing Call of Duty and, and being interested in this ag- these real life wars that happened like I didn't just take fucking Call of Duty as my history book like it got me really interested in learning what actually happened yeah yeah and well, so the other thing, the other reason that like World War Two works so well as a um, as just as what am I trying to say? Works so well within the media medium of video games is because there I truly don't believe I have at least this much faith left in us. I truly don't believe there will ever come a time where anybody will not be 100% like kosher with gunning down Nazis without a second thought. They are the perfect bad guy because they, like I said, they were like the one true actual, these are bad people. <laughs> yeah. So, like I've I've never played a game however like janky or like unfinished that it was. I've never played any game where the enemy was Nazis and been like, "Oh man, I don't know about this." Like 100% always like Nazis? Ah, fuck them. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. Um because and and a a good a good juxtaposition is is actually the original Modern Warfare trilogy, because in World at War, like there was no question, there was it was us and then there was them. We're fighting Nazis, no questions need to be asked. But the original Modern Warfare trilogy was always super cool to me because, um, yeah, it was like a hypothetical, but it also like uh, basically told the story that, look, sometimes world conflict is a little bit more complicated. Right. Sometimes, sometimes you stop and you go, maybe I'm the bad guy. And the game that I think did that the absolute fucking best and has yet to be topped is Spec Ops The Line uh, 2. Uh, it's, it's just Spec Ops The Line. Oh, is that what it is? Well, whatever. You know what I meant. <laughs> Um, Cause sworn there was a two in the title. Oh well, but yeah, that that game, that game like it starts and it's like okay, it's another military shooter, and then it fucking gut punches you and you're like, oh my god, I'm a war criminal. <laughs> yeah, when that happens, uh, the entire t- I don't know if you've actually played the game, uh, but I've played through that game many a time, even on the uh, absolute hardest difficulty. Uh, just to get the the bragging rights fucking achievement points, which is completely antithetical to the fucking game. 
Um, and I'm, it, it makes you feel almost even worse trying to grind achievements out in that game, just knowing the context for the story and everything like that. Like, it, I'm not even having fun. <laughs> it's just, oh boy, I got the achievement. Right. Right. So, you, did you you had something else you were gonna say on the on the World War Two stuff, or am I crazy? Uh, I don't I don't think I had much much more to say. I just think that it's um I I, I would say like media in general is a good good way to keep our our history alive because. Uh, even if it's not crazy historically accurate, um, it gets people interested. And if it's not historically accurate, there's always going to be like a hundred plus fucking people banging on it on every single media site. So I, I don't think that you'll even have to worry about it not being historically accurate. <laughs> like there, there are people out there that want to know the information that will preserve this information. Um, right. So media in general is, I think, a good tool to help spread uh, our history and get people interested in it. Right, for sure. Like, I know um, for one of the games on that list, Call of Duty World War II, uh, that got my brother really interested in, in World War II and, like, soldiers and history... Uh, yeah, uh, for like wars and stuff like that. Which, right? I mean, I I understand that completely because when, like I said, when I was growing up and World World at War came out and I played that game, like I'd already grown grown up playing like Medal of Honor uh, and some of like the earlier Call of Duty games, like Call of Duty Two and uh, Three, but especially Two, just because. Uh, my dad was like a big uh, World War Two history guy. Yeah. Uh, especially like the Russian front, like he was really interested in. Uh, because I think when he was younger and he saw Enemy at the Gates, it was just like this is <laughs> this is the peak of man. <laughs> <laughs> right. Speaking of which, uh, just real quick, I love that. Um, what's it called the uh, opening mission for the Russian front with Dmitry and Reznov is literally because it's just enemy at the gates literally just enemy at the gates almost shot for fucking shot well if you take if you take a lot of the Russian campaign missions from like Call of Duty 2 to Call of Duty World at War it's basically just the full movie of enemy at the gates (laughs) 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 which which is technically okay because like that wasn't that based off like a true story? Wasn't most of that shit based off a true story? I, I do believe so, yeah. Yeah. So it, it, I'll give it a pass because okay, so I'll take that strictly because we never got like an enemy at the gates video game, which I would super fucking play. <laughs> Here here's the problem though is you can't you can't make the enemy at the gates video game because then you get something like the Great Escape video game. 
You tell yeah, me how you're right. gonna make a fucking video game out of uh, a, a a fucking story about a dude sitting in a uh, a POW camp, uh, but historically accurate and not boring. Okay, you got me there. <laughs> you're right, you're right, boss. Like, eventually, yeah, he does escape, but between that, it's going to be a lot of running around in German officer outfits, hoping that you don't get spotted by the Gestapo. It's not <laughs> right. like Wolfenstein 3D. They don't let you know they're coming. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Did, uh... Did you have anything else for today, or were you you ready? You think we should wrap? Uh, no, I, I I don't have anything else. All right. Well, I think uh, I think that was productive, but I, I still don't. I I I still, hmm, I I can only wonder what Josh could have brought to these conversations. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's been the biggest question on my mind. Uh, is <laughs> what Josh would think of our our tomfoolery. Right, right. But uh, at any rate, uh, thank you everyone so much for listening to this episode of Practical Nonsense Podcast. Uh, you can find us on uh, just about anywhere you may get your podcast. There are a couple places that uh, at time of recording this episode we're still waiting uh, on verification from so that we can be distributed on there but right now you can find us on anchor overcast pocket casts radio public and spotify and you can also find us over on youtube where you will be able to see anything that we post in our discord chat um so that you can you know find all the links and stuff uh go to them go to them yourself check them all out which i would encourage because there's some super interesting stuff uh stuff that we can't we can't exactly get too much into uh, in the podcast proper because uh, we, we spend the whole time talking about that one thing. But, you know how it is. But, yeah, so check us out on uh, all those places, wherever you get your podcast, basically. Um, if you enjoyed it, share it with a friend to help us out. We'd appreciate that. Like I said, check us out over, over on YouTube. And we will see you next week. So, goodbye, everyone. Goodbye.